0: You're listening to the Nerds on Earth podcast, presented by NerdsonEarth.com. Whether you like Marvel, D&D, or a hundred other awesome nerdy things, Nerds on Earth is the place for you. Our guest this time is Michael Mercy of the amazing Michael Mercy YouTube channel of 80's Toys Nostalgia. Now, listen to Michael and my dad talk about G.I. Joe.
1: Hi everybody! Welcome to a joint venture. This is a toy guys talking as well as a podcast for Nerds on Earth, featuring my guest slash. Um, I'm a guest,
2: <laughs> right?
0: Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm Clave. Uh, Again, I'm with the website NerdsOnEarth.com, and Michael and I became acquainted with social media source of all good things. It gets (laughs) so
1: much flack because there are some negative things to social media, but there are so many positives too. Absolutely. So social media, I think is a total microcosm. Maybe it's too big to be a microcosm anymore, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I've met some of my best friends that I've ever known in my entire life, uh, through social media. So I think, uh, I often say we need to come up with a new term because the old one is spoiled. So yeah. there, there needs to be some new name for social media because it has such a stigma to it. Uh, if you do the work, if you look just like toy hunting, hunting, if yeah. you hunt long enough, you'll find that treasure. Same goes for social media. Uh, yeah. And you know, I just say hunt, look, keep looking. If you find something with some schmutz on it, just pass it over. Don't dwell on it all day. Some people buy that toy with schmutz on it. And they follow it or walk around with it. And they're like, oh, it's it's ruined. It's ruined. It's ruined. Don't do that. Block. Delete. Move on. Keep looking for the good
0: people. Yeah. The, the mute button's your friend. It's yeah. But find the good. And actually, that's how Nerds on Earth got its start. Is we're just a collection of buddies, a bunch of nerds. And <laughs> we would email back and forth. Uh, list it started our list of our top seven favorite x men and so we would make like our dream list of of x men right and um I had done a website before a baseball website that I had sold and but I had these buddies all across the country it 's like gosh let 's keep in touch and and so we created nerds on earth essentially it's it 's just a big scheme for us to to keep in touch and stay in one another 's lives. And we've added nerds, uh, on top of our original three, three or four core guys. And yeah. Do you have a chain of command like GI Joe?
1: <laughs> Do you ever I, go? I'm in charge here. Next I'm, comes. I'm you. top. I'm first Sergeant. <laughs> Do you no, ever we pull we, the we. Flint, the Flint D bag <laughs> routine from a rise. Uh, I love Flint, but I always hated how he dressed down beachhead. When he was illustrating the, the chain of command in that Arise Serpent or Arise episode one. Yeah. Oh,
0: I just I couldn't stand that. Oh, you know, it it's interesting when when you're a kid and you're watching these shows, the, the things that bug you and my character was Leatherneck. I never liked Leatherneck because I read the comic and I don't know how familiar you are with the comic, but um Fairly. there was this great storyline in the comic where uh, a group of the Joes were were captured behind enemy lines and Stalker ordered Outback to escape. He's like, unless somebody I, I is- just Remember read that one a few months yeah. ago. Yeah. So he's like, Un- unless someone escapes, we're, we're up the creek. Yeah. And so uh, and so Outback escaped and Leatherneck just let into him about leaving his his buddies behind and Outback just kind of took that. But to this day... I hold a grudge against an imaginary character <laughs> from a comic book <laughs> from decades ago because I'm like, why are you me me out Outback?
1: And that would bug me too, except I can't hold anything against any gyrene. <laughs> I mean, that is the get out of jail free card for whatever behavior. So Flint, Warrant Officer, I'm like, I love Flint, but don't talk down to Beachhead, you know? It's right. Uh, it doesn't matter what Leatherneck, Gung Ho, the Sarge, Sergeant Slaughter – even yeah. the guys I didn't know were Marines. Uh, I believe Mainframe is a Marine. And I just recently found out Bullhorn is a Marine. And I'm like, oh, man. Really? Those, those, are, those are the best, man. So Marines can do whatever they want. in my. Bullhorn in my was books. a little bit,
0: little bit past my heyday.
1: so Yeah. That's one of those later figures that, uh, without a Sunbow cartoon supporting it, I don't yep. think he was all that prominently featured in the comic either. Yeah. So I was going just solely based on accessories and look. So, uh, you know, I would pass by the GI Joe aisle at that point, if I was even going to the toy stores anymore, but a few figures like Bullhorn grabbed my attention because he had the mask, he had the Bullhorn, he had a megaphone and being a big wrestling fan, Jimmy, the mouth of the South heart with his megaphone. Hey baby. Hey baby. (laughs) I just imagine Bullhorn running around the pit going, Hey baby, it's GI Joe time. (laughs) And then there were,
0: there were some good later figures. Even and though then Bohorn, he,
1: uh, he also had the case that opened up with a sniper rifle that you could assemble.
0: Yeah. So it was, that it was, was mind
1: awesome. blowing. He was like yeah. four
0: specialists in one. Was just that, was, that was one of the best accessories was, yeah, the rifle that you could put together that you could assemble them and store in a case. So, so fun. You, so you're saying top seven X-Men. Do you remember what they are? No. Or have they, no. have they, they change, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, uh, I grew up in the Claremont X-Men. I don't know yep, the, the 80s Chris Claremont. I, oh, I worship those, those comics and I read every one. And so I, I bought, uh, Uncanny X-Men of course. And I bought Amazing Spider-Man, drugstore spinner rack, whatever, yes. 40 cents. And then GI Joe, and then when Special Missions came out, I mean that I just devoured those comics. But Claremont X Men were my were my team, so I'm sure whichever seven, it was a combination of like Claremont Australia years, or you know, like a Rogue and Wolverine and Storm and Nightcrawler. I first got into it. Um, I, I, I've said before that
1: I got into X Men when all of my other favorite properties died. So when Transformers, R.I.P., G.I. Joe, R.I.P., just not even a comic going anymore. I I needed something. And uh, I started getting into X-Men because how how could so many people be wrong? I mean, the thing (laughs) was so, so super successful. And I got in right when the Jim Lee series started. So the Uh -uh. one that was just Uh -uh. called Uh -uh. X-Men. But I bought back issues of the Claremont stuff, too. And that's when I started to really like instantly uh, get hooked on X-Men. So the Jim Lee team, they're, they're my favorites. So Gambit, uh, Wolverine, The Beast, yeah. um, Cyclops, anybody on that because they split the teams up. They, yeah. they had like almost different brands or something.
0: What was it? Blue and gold
1: team or something what like that. It? And for some reason I would, I would always get the Jim Lee team. Uh, I don't know if there's like you know, among X-Men fans, a more proper name for that team when they split the teams up. But I always just called it the, it's the Jim Lee is the artist that drew that one, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so, uh, I would always get that one, you know, the day it would come out, I would go to the com- comic shop or, grocery stores. It's yeah. kind of crazy to think you used to be able to buy these comics at the grocery store. Yeah. Just like toys. Like you, Some yeah. grocery stores had Transformers and G.I. Joe. <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't always get the one with Col- uh, Colossus and Nightcrawler and, and the other team. I, I don't know why that is. Um, maybe it just came down to issue one, issue two. Yeah. I'm like, great. I've started with a new thing yeah. instead of like issue 327. Exactly. I felt like, oh my God, I don't know what's happened here. And I don't have yeah. the money and the resources to catch up on what's happening on this other property.
0: Yeah. Nightcrawler. I loved that character. So you mentioned him. I'm like, yeah, Nightcrawler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So, um, a nerds on earth, a tradition is we ask folks their origin story. So, speaking of, of you getting hooked on things, I, g- I got to hear your ors, origin story specifically. Like, how'd you get started with GI Joes? Like when you were a wee little,
1: oh, a wee little Highway we Market, Mister Mercer. I've uh, I've mentioned Highway Market Market in my videos lovingly several times. Uh, right here in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada, we had. Um, oh, so you know these giant WalMarts that are all over the place, the Super Center WalMarts that have. Yeah. Like not just a little bit of a grocery section; it's a full grocery store, plus yeah. a, a full clothing store, plus a full like Supporting sporting goods, yeah, sporting, yeah, everything. <laughs> Get your haircut, yeah, uh, food restaurant, uh, electronics, and a toy store, a uh, toy section. Well, uh, decades before Walmart started churning these out all around the world, we had a store like that in Kitchener, and I just, I took it for granted. I figured. Every city has this, right? Every city's like my city and every city has something like this. I would learn years later that it was one of the biggest toy sections uh, in North America, not just my town or or my province. Oh, really? In the entire uh, continent. Apparently, it was one of the biggest toy sections. We're talking before Toys R Us started to roll out and like, you know, the the giant monoliths of, of toy stores. Uh, so there was an escalator that ascended into the heavens oh wow
0: there's just that was an experience
1: yeah it was really you know that's why i think i'm a lifelong toy fan because of the presentation was so amazing it, you could almost have um hallelujah playing as you're going <laughs> up the escalator and um some pictures still exist of highway market on uh plaid so whenever i uh wanted to uh, take a walk through my old highway market because they demolished it and they put up a different grocery store there a long time ago. But there's still pictures on Plaid Stallions, all sorts of great retro pictures there. But when you got to the top of the escalator, you had your choice. So you could go left and everything new was there. And it was huge. It was like four times as big as a Walmart toy, toy section is today. It was just enormous. Or you could go right. And that's where all of the old unsold toys are. And that section was just as big. Oh, so seriously? Being, uh, you know, talking about origin story, this is why I'm a lifelong toy fan. Because depending on my mood, I could go left and go check out Megatron and Soundwave and Hawk. Or uh, Hawk wasn't there just yet. Uh, Flint or Duke or Snake Eyes. If I went right, I could see all the stuff that came before me. So there was Six Million Dollar Man. There was yeah. stuff I had never heard of. Um, from the 70s, lots of 70s toys on clearance. And they just filled the whole section up with clearance toys. So I remember going through those aisles, uh, just curiously learning about what is this stuff? No cartoon, no comic, no TV show, no nothing, no even new product coming out deadlines. But even at that young an age, I remember thinking like, these are beautiful relics. Like Mm -hmm. that's it. That's the end of the road for this stuff. And I didn't buy any of it, but it was fascinating to me to see all these incredible, fun-looking toys that were just sitting there collecting dust for uh, four years. So I think that store is the reason why I'm such a huge toy fan. And then in terms of why I got into GI Joe, um, my brother was a big military buff uh, growing up. So uh, he got into GI Joe and I just followed along. And I love the toys because I'm a real uh, detail guy. I love Mm -hmm. detail. I love little tiny points of articulation. And so uh, before I even knew I was that, G.I. Joe was uh, cultivating uh, that aspect of my personality because you'd have uh, big blocky safe toys that you couldn't break, even the dolls and (laughs) stuff. And then you got a G.I. Joe and it's like a model. It's just the, the... amount of detail on one of the rifles is insane when you look at it. Well, and you can pose them. You can pose pose them too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how they were able to get that sort of detail back when they were designing these things in 81, 82, hitting the the shelves first in 82. Um, And then when they fixed the swivel arm, uh, because I had some of the straight arm at first. And as a little kid, I didn't care. But as soon as the swivel arm came in, and then in 85, when the up and down head came in, yeah, straight arm. Yeah, the I don't articu- I don't, ha- I don't yeah. have the swivel. <laughs> the articulation don't drop it. It's very yeah. fragile. <laughs> um, the articulation mm-hmm. on those for by today's standards is impressive. By that time, is mind blowing because yeah, the main competitor great. for that size of figure was Star Wars, which was mm-hmm. head, arms, and legs. Mm-hmm. They they didn't even twist at the hip, and then GI Joe coming in like. The connection point, they figured out a way to make that a point of articulation. So the, where the hip um, comes apart, so you can put in the... Um, the O-ring. The O-ring? Yeah. It, that didn't have to be a point of articulation, but they said, well, let us yeah. that's a wa- waist twist. Yeah, it was and a that, great innovation. And that's huge. It makes it so much easier to fit them in the vehicles, because there's some toy lines. It's really frustrating, like Silverhawks. Never had them growing up when I finally got them. So excited over the moon. I got the Mirage and I got the Silverhawks. Yeah. They don't fit in the Mirage. <laughs> like, yeah. even the pilot doesn't really fit in the cockpit. You got to kind of smoosh them in there. Goes for a lot of the vintage Star Wars figures too. But G.I. Joe, I never had a problem fitting a Joe into a vehicle. Because they're yeah. contortionists. Yeah. They can just, they'll do whatever they need to, to fit in there
0: and, and drive that vehicle off. Yeah. My, my start was the Star Wars. So and what what so year lots, was that? Oh gosh, I I didn't see a new hope in the theaters. So I was born in 74. Okay. So but I saw Empire in the theaters when I was a little kid and started to get the toys. But then uh, as you say, they they weren't posable. I mean, there's great. there's Star Wars and um but when the GI Joes came out uh and then you could pose them was it was like uh, Game on for me. What did you think later on? um,
1: It wasn't until quite a while later that they added more articulation to the Star Wars figures. That that wasn't until like the late nineties, I think. Yeah, early two
0: thousands. I was checked out by then. I think. I mean, I I would get a few here or there. And in fact, I uh, yeah, I I sold all my GI Joes. Worst mistake I ever made. I, I grew up and I was a big boy. I don't need my toys anymore. I'm a, but grown, yeah. I'm a grown butted man. <laughs> yeah, no. So here's, here's, here's the story. I, uh, yeah. So I, I was raised by, by a single mom for, for my formative years and, and she worked, um, well, several jobs as a single parents will do. And, uh, but it was one department store. I think the name of it was, was buddy's discount and uh and so she managed the toy department and oh, she cool. i love her she's a saint uh but uh you know she wanted to to give me things and so remember back then she joe's were what 275 to 285 or something so she would get a discount oh, and uh awesome. and they were like 40 cents or a quarter she would get these these figures for and then plus it was the 80s so uh, the relationship with with bosses worked a little different as well, yeah. where I, you know, I think her boss was, you know, know that she was a single mom and had a had a only child at home, and so would I would get these toys. So I had hundred and twenty four GI Joe figures, oh, that's um, amazing, and I had them through uh, just eighty two through you know eighty six, eighty seven ish, uh, and I loved those things. And I wasn't I wasn't one of those monsters that blew them up with firecrackers. Like I I. <laughs> I cared for those little those uh my Joes. Uh, in fact, I had one buddy, Charles, who came over and uh and we were playing Joes together and he put one of the guns in his mouth and started chewing on it like he was chewing on a pencil or something. And I was like, "Listen, buddy, I will fight you right now. We do not, <laughs> we do not chew on our Joe right Fight me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I just kept them in great shape, kept everything perfectly together. And I had 124 and then I had some, some vehicles as well. But anyway, uh, in 88, the Nintendo entertainment system, the old school NES with the duck content. And, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a big boy now. I don't need my Joes. And so I sold all my Joes, 124 of them, Plus vehicles, I sold them for one hundred and twenty-five dollars, which was oh. exactly what I needed to buy the Nintendo Entertainment System. Insight um, is twenty twenty. Um. Oh my gosh, my <laughs> gosh! But anyway, where I was going with this is, you know, when I when I got older. Um, sorry, this is a, a weird story, but it was I, I was I was working. I was a work, I was actually working for the FBI um right out Are of college Are you allowed to say this? <laughs> I I am. Oh no, yeah. it's the CIA, you can't. <laughs> That's right. Right, right, right. Then, but uh but I found this little shop that had uh Fun School G.I. Joes. Remember you know yeah, the Fun the... School from from India? Yeah. Uh and so they had a few Fun Schools and so this was I don't know. This was like 99 2000. I picked up a few Joes from there. Maybe a dozen or 15 um and then here lately in the past few years, I've I've started picking up more Joe's and and and, and I can't fill in my collection completely because that was my collection. That's yeah. some kid got for one hundred and twenty five bucks. Um, but I'll get a few things. And to your point about uh, the store with the with the used toy, with the uh, toys that didn't sell and, and the new toys, um, my version of the toys that didn't sell is sort of there's a comic shop here in Minneapolis that's, uh, comics and collectibles. And so they have a lot of old Joe's. And so I will go to that shop and go through these bins. That's just old weapons. And I'll spend like three hours just, and they're, they're, awesome. they're a quarter each or five for a dollar. And I'm just like, and I'll come out with like $25 worth of like, yeah. you know, weapons and guns. And so I, and I just found a couple of the, um, the mass for the Cobra eels, you know, the, oh, yeah, the hoses, the, the hose. I got a couple of hoses. And so that's I'm, uh, I, I'm having fun, like getting old broken joes where their O rings are are broken or the parts aren't there, and just kind of slowly, patiently, like recreating them and fixing them up. And um, so I don't have a ton. I don't have my 124 original joes. But <laughs> well, it sounds like you had a great
1: run. <laughs> that's yeah. that's amazing. Um, the thing I love, like when when you bring up the the eel hose. Uh, and younger people today don't understand it, but they will in about 20 years when they're talking about, you know, do you yeah, like, remember the seventh generation iPod and that exact, OS that came out and, and their, you know, next generation will be like, oh, talking about their mobile devices, you know, way yeah. before we had the uh, telekinesis or whatever they'll have <laughs> in, in 50 <laughs> years. But um, AI. It's, it's, it's really a lost language. Um, so when I was a kid, I remember uh adults, some adults would have like the train sets. And it just did not interest me in the least. Uh and I remember seeing a few really elaborate train train sets. Like, you know, there was a guy who had his whole basement set up, just trained Mm -hmm. with the trees and miniatures and like I I recognized the amount of effort and passion that went into it, but it just didn't make me go, Oh my God, that's mind blowing. Right. But um, amid trend collectors, they all spoke that language of, oh, you know, you have that and you understand how that works and they could appreciate each other's stuff. And that's what toy collectors have, too. We have this lost language mm-hmm. where, you know, you can talk to another, like, for example, a Joe fan and you can talk about uh, Heavy Metal's Mike, And yeah. everyone's like, oh, oh it's Mike.
0: always lost. and I, yeah,
1: And I think that's so cool that... There's, you know, a generation before us and a generation after us that have have no idea. They can't connect. But us, we grew up, you know, or keelhaul silver pistol. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's... Better 3D
0: that, print it because yeah, you're yeah. not finding it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think that's one of the coolest aspects about toy collection toy collecting being able to speak this lost language with other people and have a shorthand Mm -hmm. like, and to know, you know, those parts that were so easily lost. Um, it's kind of funny. You never hear about the parts that were never lost. I can't think of what are, what are some parts that like you just, you couldn't lose it. No matter how how hard you tried the first one that comes to mind, I'm looking right at it. Grunt's helmet, Doc's stretcher. I yeah. cannot, you could not lose that thing no matter how hard you try. It's just this. Well, because
0: it was clipped to the bottom of the dragonfly. You could do that? Yeah, it fit in there perfectly. Oh my God. In between the God.
1: two skins. I never knew that. Is it, is it designed to do that or does it just. Happen? I don't know. I don't I've know. I've never tried that before. And that's another cool thing about. Yeah, you got a meta them. Yeah. 40 years later, you can still be learning stuff that you never knew before.
0: Yeah. Um, there's, I will uh, say my my favorite Joe medic though is Lifeline. Like yeah. I love Doc, but Lifeline, I love that he was a pacifist and, and conscientious objector. Yeah. Because I was he, such I was such this like tender hearted, sensitive kid. I was like, and, Oh, that's great. And it's amazing <coughs> for him.
1: He, he comes with a pistol, which is yeah. so weird. So obviously, Except for
0: his rice krispies mail away. Oh, that didn't come with a gun. No. He okay. didn't even have the, the gun on his hip because they didn't want they didn't want that associated with serial. So that's an example of... Or serial of, associated with weaponry.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Um, so that was an example of the cartoon and the comic deviating. Larry Hama never watched the cartoon, and the cartoon people weren't all that interested in copying or, or homaging what Larry was doing. Um, so I'm assuming Lifeline didn't have a problem with guns in the comic, because why, why would they include a gun? It was Larry Hama that designed all of the... Um, or wrote all the file cards. So mm-hmm. he had some input with the design, but it was always weird to me that lifeline came with a pistol. And so anytime I've ever displayed my lifeline, he's holding the barrel and it's almost like a, someone yeah. take this.
0: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Or then in, in the comic uh, there's a issue 11 of the comic is where, is where it just hit the gas and got great. Um, but there's this great um, sequence sequence with doc doc is introduced in issue 11 i think i think and um so he's first interest introduced to uh fights destro which destro isn't given a name yet and then doc like throws a rock at him or something or to distract him but he doesn't he doesn't fire at him he's like it's against the geneva convention and he uh. you know hits destro against the head with like a rocker or something so even the comic dealt with this idea that that the medics um they they operated at a higher level of enlightenment than... <laughs> yeah, heal, not hurt. And there was a movie a couple of years ago, uh,
1: Hacksaw Ridge, directed by Mel Gibson. Have you seen that Yeah, one?
0: I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, no.
1: Oh, you have to. Uh, I recommend yeah. every Joe fan watch Hacksaw Ridge because... Yeah, I'll write that I, down. I don't know how many people hate Lifeline. I mean, <laughs> he's such a great character. Um, I, I would go... I, I would make the... Yeah. The bold statement that if you love Joe, you you at least like Lifeline. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's hard to hate that guy. Hacksaw Ridge is about Lifeline, and it it made me understand his character so much more. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in addition to all of the great episodes where his pacifism is featured, Hacksaw Ridge is all about Lifeline. It's about conscientious objectors, and when I talked mm-hmm. to Buzz oh. Dixon, uh, yeah, he said, yeah, that character was influenced by those you know wartime conscientious objectors. Who mm. he was? Talk about enlightenment. Um, yeah, just a really, really powerful, touching story. That movie. Uh, the those those guys really did operate on a different plane. Yeah, just amazing. And after watching that movie, I I always look at Lifeline as he's the guy from Hacksaw Ridge. That yeah. he would he would carry out dozens and dozens of soldiers, wear the flesh off his fingers you know just grind himself down to the bone to save other people because he's just an angel yeah know? he's a guardian angel just yeah. amazing amazing movie yeah
0: i loved it i love that i love that figure i loved his his you know white uh med kit you could pop yeah. open the med kit with and, the with the hose it's such a contrast yeah. to all the other figures because they all
1: almost all of them came with weapons um Guns, grenades, all these instruments of destruction, and and it was a good reminder. Hey, someone's got to patch these guys up. Yeah, someone's got to put it back together, which is kind of weird. Cobra didn't have a medic.
0: Yeah, yeah that's no true. U- they had no use for one. Yeah, <laughs> they just what's the, <laughs> what's the uh, what's the the comic book issue? Sorry for getting nerdy about the comic. I no
1: Larry
0: Hammer is, is yeah, my hero. I love him. Um, uh Larry Hammer. Oh, you ever yeah. heard of that guy? Absolutely. The Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I call him so, I, I call him Mr. Hama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there there's this great uh uh comic where, gosh, and I can't remember which Cobra pilot it is, but it's it's the one that's that was genetically enhanced for Night Raven? To, maybe? T- yeah, I think so. To to take, to take more more G force. Anyway, long yeah. story long story short, he is just he's just a jerk to his Cobra Viper ground crew. And, and then yeah. he gets shot down and has to call in for help and they don't come. And I in fact, that. they, they didn't uh, double check his, uh, his re- release thing. And I'm like, all right, you, g- you gotta be, you gotta be kind to your ground crew. Yeah. I
1: remember that issue now. Cause uh, the other pilot, um, who was it that was it? I can't remember if it was slipstream or ACE or, whichever Joe pilot went up against him. I think it was like a ju- juxtaposition story showing you the contrast between Joe mm-hmm. and Cobra and the Joes mm-hmm. would do anything for, uh, a for, for their team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For, for those by next him. Yeah. And, and to be, to be clear, I loved guns too. I was a, I was a red blooded, what nine, 10 year old boy. So I, I love the figures with the, with the big guns as well. So,
1: yeah. And, uh, the thing is I, I grew up on, like safe, fun violence, um, all those stories of, of the parent teacher groups that shut down all of the the violent war toys. Um, you know, these things they shot lasers. Uh, mm-hmm. In the first few episodes of Joe, I guess they sounded like real guns, which is so weird mm-hmm. to go back and watch the mass device. But later on, they were lasers. They shot laser beams. No one ever got hit. And it's exactly like the A-Team where things mm-hmm. would explode on the A-Team. A helicopter yeah. would smash into the into a mountain. It would crash and explode. And then they would cut to the villains coming out and like, oh, brushing yeah. like the dust off. Yeah. And it's absurd.
0: But it's parachute like, always open, you always yeah. saw the parachute.
1: Poof, and it's this yeah. little message of look, this is all in good fun, and there's a difference between good fun and bad fun. And uh, I, I just feel like I and all the other toy fans from the 80s, even 70s, even before it just felt like good fun, where there weren't any like horrible, horrific consequences to this so called violence, no one ever got killed. Whereas like now what some people call good fun, I just look at it and I go, that cannot be good for your psyche in the long run. (laughs) Yeah. Like like, uh, headshots, Mm -hmm. six hours of playing online games, headshot, headshot, headshot. It can't be good for your psyche. I just, I can't see, I I can't see that as good fun. Uh, especially with like the, you know, just the detail they put in that type of violence—it blows my mind that the stuff I grew up on, He-Man, it's too violent. Uh, Brave Star, Transformers, it's too violent. You compare it to, uh, you know, Call of Duty and other games yeah. that children—that
0: that line has fundamentally shifted on on what is. And and actually, I I uh, appreciate Lego in that regard as well because Lego yeah. toys—they're they're like no real world weaponry it's you know lego little. yeah and the the movies or
1: any lego incarnation mm-hmm. any lego game or lego episode or movie uh it, it harkens back to the good fun where you have villains and you have heroes and they fight each other but you know no one is ever orphaned <laughs> mm-hmm. you know like uh, parents aren't ever slaughtered and and a kid has to grow up without parents and stuff like that it's always in good fun um but the day might come where Lego becomes this ultra violent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's
0: uh, so my, my, uh, my kids are, are eight and 10. I have two girls and uh, just a, a quick story on the difference. So, so I have tons of Marvel legends and, you know, all my favorite X-Men. Right. And so I have these, these Marvel legends and they love to play with these Marvel legends. And, uh, they, they don't know who the characters are and, you know, they don't play right. Um, yeah. they're not using the right superpowers. Um, but every, every single time they play, it's the kindest, most nurturing, like they all come together and cooperate and help one another. And it's like, okay, we'll battle one another. Oh, it ends in a tie. Aww, and I'm like, oh, how so great sweet. it is to, to see these two girls and just the way they play is, I'm like, all right, hold on to that as long as you can, because uh, yeah. it won't be like that forever. And I think that's innate. I think that's
1: just, mm-hmm. that's so natural for children and the violence the anger, the swearing, the rages, that's taught. Like mm-hmm. I, I I I just not I agree. See, I've seen a few kids playing video games and they got the headset on and they're screaming and swearing. Um, and I you know, I'll speak up sometimes and just say that's probably not good for them in the long run. I mean there's a correlation, things are connected. When you're in your car, when you're twenty-five years old trying to get to work and the dude in front of you the light just turned green and he's not accelerating within a fraction of a second and the yeah. horn starts going those are probably people who play a lot of these violent games where people are screaming at them so they scream back yeah and it's it's not people who go for nice long hikes in the in nature and just yeah. you know uh, cultivate their coping skills. Like I, yeah. I I don't think these violent games and even these violent shows, violent anime, I don't think that helps you cope coping skills. It seems to it's becoming a lost art, the ability yeah. to cope with things. Whereas the stuff yeah. that I grew up on, like it was all about coping. Every single hero or hero group was all about how do we cope. The Joes, right? Something horrible has happened or will happen. How do we cope? Well, we formulate a plan. You know, we prepare. We see it through. Same with the Transformers, He Man. It's all about what do we need to do to fix this situation. And it wasn't all about well, other than the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He He had yeah. a different set of
0: coping skills. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a completely, completely different beast. Yeah. I, it's funny. Uh, the, he was I, foreshadowing. <laughs> right. right. I, uh, I call that the Honk a Second. Which is a which is an impossibly small unit of time, shorter than even a nanosecond. Which is the amount of time before you know the the bro behind you lays on the horn when the honk. when the light turns green. It's a that's a honk a second. Yeah, I'm like oh, people just got you just relax,
1: just chill. It's you, it's fine. Have you ever uh, gotten out of the car in a safe manner? All right, just to be clear, I'm not advocating stopping your car on a highway, but <laughs> In a safe manner. For example, you're trying to get out of a uh, a coffee shop parking lot. Uh, no danger to you or to anybody else. And you're trying to safely pull out and it's nonstop traffic. So it ain't happening unless you get T-boned. So you're mm-hmm. waiting for your proper moment and you get honked at from behind mm-hmm. in a situation kind of like that. So not an intersection or anything like that. But have you ever gotten out of the car? And just Mm -mm. gone over there to talk to the person, to ask them, can you please elaborate on what the (laughs) issue is here? I I have not. I just, I'm just, I just try to. I've I've done it a few times. So it was, again, I I reiterate, it was completely safe. There was no danger of any accident or anything, but I've done it a few times. So what did they, what, what, how did they respond to that? Well, there's different responses. Uh, (laughs) The minority will apologize. Yeah. um, uh, and, and stay quiet. But the majority of people, so I've done it a couple of times. I don't have like dozens and right. dozens of examples to go by, but here's the pattern. Here's the common thing. They quiet right up when, well, I'm six foot two. So there's the size factor, right? I'm not, you know, five feet tall. Um, and I don't walk towards them really angry. In fact, in order to emphasize that I'm not Um, going to be angry because here's the thing. You ever heard the old expression? The thief believes everybody steals Mm -hmm. the angry person Mm -hmm. believes everyone's angry. Mm -hmm. So as I'm walking and I'm not angry in the situation, but I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. Uh, especially if someone else is driving and it's stressing them out. And they're not coping well with like, come on, man, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, and, and, exactly. and they're, they're going to do something dangerous. Cause I have been in these situations where someone's about to go and it's like, don't stop. Cause they're not going to pay for the, mm-hmm. uh, the repairs and they're not going to visit me right. in the hospital. That's right. So, uh, when I get out of the car, blank expression, um, hands behind my back, not like reaching for a weapon, but just kind of that military, mm-hmm. um, uh, Whatever you call it, like that, um, posturing, uh, disciplined posturing. Mm-hmm. Slowly walk over there, lean over, and just explain. Can you please not honk because it's not safe? And if an accident does happen, I doubt you're going to pay for the damages. <laughs> right. And and I, just what I told you, right? I, yeah. I doubt you're going to come to the hospital and visit anyone with injuries. So uh, the pattern. The majority of people, they they're shocked. Because who gets out of their car? Mm -hmm. People feel big and powerful when they're in their car. That's the whole point of road rage. right? Or on social media. You know what? Exactly. Your your computer and the internet is basically a big car. (laughs) And people are just sitting there going, hey, idiot. That's exactly what they're doing. Internet is road rage. They got a big machine and they feel tough. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just weird for them to have this person not in a car but acting, I guess maybe they think big and tough. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not threatening. I'm not dressing them down. I'm just telling them enough and making it clear that type of personality. Once you tell them, no, that's where the, the hissy fits come in the road rage, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think a lot of them suffer from narcissistic personality disorder. And if you have any experience with people with, uh, that disorder Mm -hmm. you tell them no and they have a very irrational response to being told no. So when they're honking, come on buddy. And you come out and you go, no, Mm -hmm. uh, they can't cope with it. But, uh, what is it? Uh, short story long. (laughs) Um, they, they quiet down. They are a little concerned. They're probably thinking like, is this guy going to kill me? Like I've gotten in, uh, in over my head here. (laughs) And they just like, Usually, they'll like try to explain, like, you could have went. Almost always, they say, you could have went. And I go, no, I couldn't. It's a different vantage point from up there. Don't honk again. Appreciate it. Namaste. Yeah. Right? And it's very important. I, I uh, really stress, don't be passive aggressive. Don't say, hey, I really appreciate you trying to help when you're not actually being honest. Like, mm-hmm. passive aggression is the worst thing you can do to people who are like that. So I just, I'm very deliberate and I say, look, trying my best. Everyone's trying their best. No ill Will. All right. Just relax. Take it easy. Not going to take you honking at me anymore. Hope you have a great day. Honestly do. And I, I don't know how to be more clear, but some people just, they're screwed up and there's nothing you can mm-hmm. do. But for my own conscience so that I can walk away and go, I did nothing wrong there. I told yeah. someone who was behaving improperly that it's got to stop and I hope it echoes. I go back to my car or get back in the passenger seat and almost every single time this person who sat there looking up not so angry not so tough anymore guess what they do when we're back on the road. They drive up beside they give the finger and they honk. Mm. Cause they're all so brave now that they're back in their car and they're driving and we mm. got a little bit of safe distance. That's almost every single time that happens, they get all big and tough and brave. They yeah. man up cause they feel like they got put in their place and, and they should be put in their place. They're weak people. They got no power. They got no intelligence or very little intelligence, uh, no respect. And that's why it's so easy to put them in their place. And that's why they're so desperate to step on that gas pedal and act so tough and feel like, yeah, I showed him. It's like, uh, so yeah. that's, that's what happens. That's my short story long of what happens when you get out of your car and you try to
0: rationalize yeah. with
1: the honk a second people.
0: I like that <laughs> the honk a second. No. So, uh, so I, I, I got a, I got a short, short story to turn, turn along here because it Love just made it. me think about a, a lot of things. And, um, one is just, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, I, I, I just feel bad for us, for people. You know, it just seems like, (laughs) it it seems like when you go, when you're out and about, doesn't it just seem like everybody has a low grade anger at any given time? And I'm just like, Oh, what is, what is up with our culture that everyone's carrying around this low grade anger where it just feels like, you know, listen, man, if if somebody cuts in front of you in the line of target, like, 30 seconds ain't going to make you or break you, but, but it just seems like everyone's, everyone's carrying that. And so, so I feel kind of bad for us. So back to toys. Um, so nerds on earth, I kind of have this, uh, I'm old, you know, so, so
2: so a lot of our, a lot of
0: our, a lot of our content is focused on nostalgia. Obviously, you know, you know, my, my favorite Joes from when I was a kid sort of thing. Um, But I kind of have this bittersweet relationship with nostalgia. Um, So I don't know if you're familiar with the name. um, There's this theologian named Augustine and and Augustine uh, would talk about hope as hope is a combination of anger and courage, which is funny when you think about, about what hope is. And, and, I've just noticed a lot of people, again in the context of nostalgia, like they have this anger. You know, this things yeah. aren't like they used to be, um, but they also don't have the courage to kind of keep moving forward with life and to nurture the relationships that are that are needed to flourish. And I know, particularly in America, um, a lot of this anger. Um, for nostalgia is turned into resentment and I don't want to go into politics because ours is a mess, but there's this, all this resentment of like things aren't like they used to be and yeah. I'm angry and I'm feeling left out and I want things to change and they, they look for scapegoats. Um, and so my point is I always have this, this, uh, kind of bittersweet relationship with nostalgia, the the Greek word for Nostalgias, like to return to one's pain, you know. So really? You, yeah, and so, and, but the Greeks were were thinking about it in the same way. Like, but you also have to have this courage to kind of move forward and then to embrace your present day and your future. Um, so I just feel like people have lost that hope, yeah. and and it's turned into resentment. And and I feel bad about it. Uh, you know, I just I just kind of feel feel bad for all of us. And so I always try to say okay, but where's the hope and where's the, yeah. and and so for the guys in in the car, it's like, oh man, I just, where where's the, for lack of a, a better term, like the grace to extend the grace to one another and yeah. so just, just, just relax. And which is easier said than done. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, life can be tough and you have little kids and job and marriage and all those things. I can, I can see how how anger could develop into resentment, but gosh, I, we, we all need to work on turning that into hope.
1: Yeah. I like that you use the term grace. I, I like to use that one a lot too, because I think it's a lost art and I've brought it up to quite a few young people. Uh, I'm talking like under the age of 16 mm-hmm. and they don't know what it means. I mean, there's some older people who don't know what it means and I, I always invite people to Google it. Google dictionary is an amazing thing because it really, it's a great, um, definition tool, grace, um, just kind of a self-sacrificing attitude and who, who have little patience for other people aren't givers. They just, they're selfish. What's in it for me? And they aren't givers. And, you know, if you, if you see one of those people and it's clear that they're like that and you just if you break it cuz it's impossible to debate with them, rationalize with them, but if you just break it down to something as simple as give 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 grace. Yeah. They're like, "Huh? What?" <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know if that is completely missing in them talking yeah. about narcissism, soci- sociopathy, uh psychopathy, psychopaths. Uh medical professionals believe that that's just missing in them. They never had it. They never will. And they just can't understand it. Sometimes I I talk with some uh, unsavory people and I try to remind them of grace. The greatest purpose in life is service to others. Mm -hmm. Help other people, not just look out for yourself because the people who are all about themselves, just they twist and they writhe and they're, they're miserable. They're, they're never happy Mm -hmm. no matter what they get, no matter what they accomplish. They just always Mm -hmm. feel empty. Like I'm empty. And I've, I've heard people who I suspect to be narcissists, narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspected. And I, I've heard them say, I just em- feel empty. I don't know why. Like, well, that's not a conversation you want to get, get into, yeah. right? If, if, if you feel as though you're not like that and might even be the polar opposite of that mindset, that's not a conversation you really want to have. There's no alignment, but there are people who have behaved uh, you know, uh, selfishly and get that reminder. You know, I tell them, give, do something for someone else, sacrifice, suck it up. And it's like, you, you can almost see the wheels churning. Like, am I forgetting something that is programmed deep within my right. spirit? Like it's, it's, it's in your DNA. It's in your spirit. It's in your soul. And you've lost your way because of bad influence uh, because of like violent shows, violent people, angry, selfish people all around you, coworkers, whatever people on t v that 's why like when we were talking about it earlier, children are just the most you know beautiful creatures on earth because they just have this innate love, trust, uh gentleness, and all of that nasty stuff is learned from following the wrong heroes mm-hmm. um, and that's why or was, lack of
0: good heroes,
1: lack of good heroes. Exactly. And that's why the stuff that I grew up on is as important to me today as it was when I was growing up. And there was a period where it wasn't like I, I rediscovered all of this stuff. It's not like I've been watching G.I. Joe and He-Man from age nine to uh, to yeah. today. So no, I I took like a whatever it was, the 90s, the 2000s, a 20, 25 year hiatus from being really immersed in this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, always liked the toys and occasionally would watch this or read the comic. But when I started to really focus on it again, it's when I, when I needed inspiration from those heroes who knew how to cope with everything. And I wasn't seeing it in the new product being mm-hmm. put out. The stuff being put out today is product. It's not inspiration, it's product. And so going back and, and, being able to compare He-Man to whatever is a new sort of equivalent uh, mm-hmm. these days, it's, it's no comparison. He-Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe, even Star Wars. You know, Star Wars is mm-hmm. a great comparison because you can compare, it is relative, original mm-hmm. Star Wars with new Star Wars. And um, in my opinion, Luke Skywalker's motivation is love. Is Ray's motivation love? Because I, I think you could compare Luke to Ray, because they are the, the main characters of their trilogy, mm-hmm. right? We're two movies in, we've got one more to go, and people are you know, some people say, well, wait till the third movie, and I'm thinking, I think it's too late. <laughs> you know, if yeah. we don't know two movies into a trilogy already what the motivation is. Because in the first uh in the Star Wars original trilogy, right from the from the beginning, Luke was a good hearted person always motivated by love. Um, loves his friends, super loyal. You know, the first movie is more of a a fun teen thing, but the second movie, he's going to throw it all away to save his friends. And Yoda is telling him, no, Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to save the galaxy. You have to stay. And Luke is like, my, my brother, you know, Han Solo, Mm -hmm. my, he didn't know it at the time, but my sister, Mm -hmm. uh, Leia, you know, he, he probably had kind of like a, a sibling love for Leia in addition to maybe something else. Um, but Chewie and, and everybody else like the dude was totally motivated by love. And then the Return of the Jedi solidifies that where he is going to sacrifice himself to save a father who has done nothing but try to kill him and, and did maim him. Um, that is amazing. That's Optimus Prime level of enlightenment.
0: God, I love Optimus Prime.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then in the in the new Star Wars trilogy, I don't see anybody except you could say Han Solo sacrificed himself for something. Kind you of. Know. along.
0: I don't know. but Han, um, Han Solo is also my favorite character in all of cinema. I love yeah. Han Solo. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, to put a bow on all this, I, yeah, I just want to commend you because that's how I discovered – your channel was, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're on YouTube and you're, you're looking for something. I can't remember how the first one, but I'm like, okay, this is, this is a channel. Um, cause what I like to do is I'm putzing in the garage or whatever. Like I don't have time to just sit down and watch two hours of YouTube or whatever. Um, yeah. but if I'm putzing around at something, um, just to have, have it playing kind of adjacent and my kids could come and go, um. I'm like that. I love it. You know, like, like the fact that my kids could come and go, uh, while your channel is playing and I don't have any concerns. I'm like, they're, they're just hearing positive stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in with this guy. I like, I like this dude.
1: Yeah, that's, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and that's, you know, years before when I was doing a couple of other things on, on YouTube, I wasn't all that concerned with keeping it, you know, G rated. Um, but as I saw a shift towards one thing, I want to be the polar opposite of that. Countercultural so, to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when, cause I don't think it's good in the long run. Um, I see some of these channels where people come on and they scream and they swear and I'm not talking about angry video game nerd. I think he's hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, he's, <laughs> he's got he's a, a character. Yeah. He's got a pretty saucy, uh, mouth, but I don't believe he speaks like that in front of his you know, his kids. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but you know, that's, that's the thing with YouTube though, is that back in our day, it, it was, it wasn't impossible, but it was very hard for kids to watch R rated stuff. So you'd have to get an adult to rent
0: the movie for you
1: if you're going to (laughs) watch it at home.
0: So I watched it on TBS. So remember TBS? Yeah. Um, and then all those movies, all the, all the parts, because a PG movie in the eighties would definitely be PG thirteen today, is what I'm discovering. You know, with an eight year old, it's like, oh, this is PG, and then, yeah, you know, eighties PG is not the same. But TBS would always cut those parts out, and I would watch them on. I would watch them on TBS, and then later in life, I would watch the full movie, and I'm like, whoa, okay, I don't remember there being whatever nudity and fast times at Richmond High because yeah. the TBS version didn't have that. So. Or how about the diehard, um, the
1: replacement, uh, the profanity replacement lines for diehard Yippee Kayak, Mother (laughs) Hubbard.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The TBS version always, always sanitize things. Yeah. Ah, But anyway, I don't know why we're talking about all this deep stuff. You need to tell me about some of those toys that are behind you. Oh, the, the eighties toy museum. Yeah. Uh, I need to hear about some, some of the fun new stuff that you got. Actually, I don't get that much
1: new stuff anymore. Um, uh, where my collection is at, at the moment, uh, all vintage stuff is really skyrocketed in price. So mm-hmm. if I didn't get it, I probably won't get it except for like the odd thing here or there. But in terms of my vintage stuff, Joe, Centurion, Silverhawks, I got
0: that stuff way before it got really expensive. Which is uh, interesting because it's not rare. Like people think yeah, Joe's rare. I'm like, they made $375 million. Yeah, (laughs) And the only, the only time that plastic is a good thing is like in GI Joe toys. Like the fact that plastic lasts a thousand years, it's bad for the ocean, but it's great for GI Joes because they're all around. And so some of these prices, I'm like, if you're patient, you can find a, find a better deal. But some of them are like, like you said, they're, they're really
1: going up. that, That also goes back to that lost language. It's amazing to me that just, just. Absolutely amazing that I can talk to someone in Minnesota or Texas or Australia and uh, we have the exact same memories of the same whatever it is, whatever Mm -hmm. toy it is. We know every inch of that toy. We know the accessories and how it worked and some of the problems it had and some of the cool parts about it. That's, that's a worldwide, a global language mm-hmm. that like, what other things are are like that? Even movies are in different languages. So sometimes mm-hmm. things are lost in translation, but it's just amazing uh, that you can have that shorthand with someone from all the way across the world, a 30 or 40 year old memory.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. so
1: we are like, we are a community. We all are like very connected, even though a lot of us might not realize that. Um, That's why I'm always encouraging toy collectors just, uh, you know, chat with people, chat with your fellow toy people, post messages on the Facebook groups, Uh, email each other. Um, Some of the uh, the uh, patrons on uh, the Patreon tribe uh, are sending each other gift boxes. And just like they used to when they were kids, you know, like when we were kids, like, hey, you got to trade them flag points, though. Trade. Yeah. Trading stuff. (laughs) It just sounds amazing to me. It's that was such a beautiful part of childhood that's really been lost these days. People don't really yeah. do that these days, and you can't. You can't really say, "Hey, you want my iPad?" <laughs> like, yeah. sure, take my MacBook. It, it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't work with the digital toys. Uh, so it's it's really cool that that was that fun a thing back then, and it still is too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah how about you? what's uh, What's new in your collection? What are you uh, looking for?
0: Yeah, well, you know, Nerds on Earth is an interesting thing because it's like we have a nostalgia bent, and and we're just a collection of, of buddies who who get together, and we're just fortunate that we found a huge audience from that. But um, but we we cover um, essentially what you'd find in the game shop, so like role playing games like D anD D and and Pathfinder, Starfinder um and then comics um and then collectibles and then um, a lot of board games and so mostly what i I literally have a package a day on my doorstep from a board game publisher or whatever i in fact i got i got one today of like a new game coming out that they want us to cover um cool yeah, it is. It is cool, except I pay about, you know, 150 bucks a month on shipping just to nice. <laughs> get, the, get these re- review copies around. And, you know, it's just a hobby for us, but it's fun. Um, yeah. But my point is there's just so much stuff out there for nerds. Um, and then particularly board games are are exploding. I mean, the number of board games that are made. So publishers are just dying to get their their thing out out in front. So most of the new stuff that I get is from from publishers. Um um but personally what what I've been getting is, yeah, I mean it's just uh this is this is the only new thing I've gotten is a little you know the the little hose. And so my uh my happy place is to go to a shop with a bin full of just either Dollar Comics or old G.I. Joe's and just root through. So I, I haven't gotten anything Big and new outside of small little plastic toys, yeah. plastic guns. And do you do you play with your toys in the sense
1: of not like pew pew bang bang, but do you take them outside and take some nature fi- uh, pictures?
0: Uh, not not really. What I like to do is I like to fix um, yeah, so them um, inside. And then another thing about Nerds on Earth is, is we're we're kind of high level. Like we're you know folks are like oh this is super basic, and I'm like that's our point. But like we want to be basic and have a wide thing. Less is more. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I like to fix them. Um, like if it's a broken thumb, then, then the only thing that's on the nerds on earth YouTube channel is, uh, miniatures. So, so we cover a lot of D and D miniatures and unbox those miniatures. Um, but my point is I have the, the painting tools for the miniatures and the, and so I'll drill the hole in for the thumb for the GI Joe thumb and put a pen in and then re sculpt a thumb out of, you know, the milliput or or green stuff and then repaint. And so that's, that's what I like to do with my Joes is kind of fix them up. And again, it's basic. I'm not an expert. I don't, you know, re-sculpt or some of the fan creations are amazing. I just like to do like, oh, okay, the crotch piece is broken. I'll, you know, drill a hole and re-sculpt a new crotch or, or replace a note ring. So that's how I like to have fun with my Joes nowadays. It's just, Kind of fixing them up. Yeah, it's very therapeutic fixing up yeah. broken ones
1: and it's nerd there, meditation. There are some <laughs> purists who would be aghast at like repainting uh, paint worn Joe, and you got it. Those. Those folks got to get a new hobby. Like, yeah. You got to get a new hobby. This is this is not fine China. It's, it's yeah. not, it's yeah, not so thousands I, of years old. It's, if, if Flint exactly. spray is worn off, the paint is worn off, you get that semi-gloss black and you do a stroke of black over that's and make right. it look great
0: again. That's right. Well, and and yeah, when, when I say Nerds on Earth is basic, that's what I mean. Like we have no place for purists. It's like yeah. – have, have fun, have fun with your board games or your comics or your Joes, however you want to. And we're we're not curious about any anything. We're like, hey, just they're, they're your Joes. Paint them if you want to. Yeah, there's that
1: expression, all or nothing, that I see a lot in the toy community. And uh, people who have all or nothing mentality usually end up with nothing. I say, <laughs> if you got an all or nothing mentality, change it to all or some or nothing. Yeah. Because you'll find out that being having some is actually not that bad. It's
0: it's yeah. quite nice having something in the middle, over and over and over again. Contentment, contentment is a virtue. It's like I'm content. I don't need anything to change right now. Like I'm exactly. I'm happy. I'm happy where I am. Yeah, and uh, and just
1: to, we need to focus on the characters. You know, the, the toys are cool, but we need to remember why they're cool and focus on the characters that the toys represent. Because it's, yeah. it's a representation of a mindset uh, of like a strong, courageous, graceful, self-sacrificing character. And I got some villain characters too, which they have no redeeming <laughs> qualities. But, but uh, like when I look at Too Bad or Clawful, I think – Yeah, those are the guys that He-Man pounded on. That's right. (laughs) So it's still like, it still builds He-Man
0: up uh, to some extent. Um, Well, the only uh, thing I'm a purist on is that Scarlet is the best Joe. Yeah, she is. (laughs) Like, I I recently did a video on her. and I
1: love her. Reading that file card, I was blown away. Like, is there anything she can't do? That's Uh, right. So, yeah, I always knew she was almost on the level of Snake Eyes in terms of kind of being a ninja and stealthy and stuff like that. But she, she did all the military stuff too. Like she's the, the blend of the kind of exactly like snake eyes, the blend of the ninja and the military. So that's cool. to 40 years later, find out even more information about this, this
0: character that I've known about my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got her when I was a little, little kid. So she was my first nerd crush. Oh, that's awesome. Because
1: uh, what what we've always heard is that the girl figures didn't sell, and that's why they never made that many, and they stopped making. Oh, them is that right? For a few years, <clears throat> I don't remember that being the case, though. Like, I don't, I don't, I go to a Toys R Us now or or a Walmart here. Toys R Us is still open in Canada, and I see countless Jen Erso and Ray figures hanging on yeah. the shelves. Yeah. they get rid of them. Um, yeah, I don't remember seeing like, oh man, all they have is Scarlet. Yeah, I thought I everybody she,
0: loved Lady J and Scarlet and Jinx. As yeah. far cool. as
1: I can remember, those sold just as well. Uh, like yeah. Lady J sold just as well as Flint. Yeah. Because um, it wasn't about, uh, you know, la-di-da, I'm a southern belle. That's yeah. not That's not what they She the had a javelin
0: were. launcher, man.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. So the, <laughs> the female Joes were never sold as being girly, cutesy. Like, they were military. G.I. Joe was... Army, military, Marine, that's what took precedent over gender, Uh, ethnicity, age. Mm -hmm. That's what I loved about G.I. Joe. Like, no, your priority is your military specialty. That's Mm -hmm. your identity. That's who you are. All the other stuff, your your hair, your ethnicity, your skin color, your age, your gender, that doesn't matter. The most important thing, and this is what's really cool about G.I. Joe, the, the function, the military specialty, used to be even bigger than the code name, So on, on the first uh, year or couple of years of file card, if you flip a joke uh, on the back, you will see Commando and then smaller letters, codename Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Warrant Officer, codename Flint. So that's what I always appreciated about G.I. Joe. Your job is more important than all of these other things that you had no control over,
0: you know, what, what's most important is what you worked for and what you earned. Yeah. It's another gift from Larry Hama. Yeah. Is that gender? Not, none of that, none of that matter. They were all, they were all competent. Absolutely. Well, clave, it's been a blast. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been great talking to you.
1: Yeah. Really glad we got a, a chance to chat a little bit. And uh, everyone out there, be sure to check out nerdsonearth
0: Correct. Yeah. For
1: uh, for all your nerd community, and we were talking earlier about uh, uh, social media and the the advantages of social media. It almost feels like it's better. Um, like I, I I think actually meeting in person is great, but I find it very difficult to uh, meet on a regular basis with like-minded toy collectors. Um, and there's quite a few in my area. It's not like I'm in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, It's just scheduling is yeah. really difficult. People Getting two have, adults in the same room is crazy. That's right. Yeah. And it just never seems to work out. So, uh, social media, uh, I see my friends, you know, in the toy community on social media much more than, uh, I see my toy friends in, <laughs> in, in person. So in I person? Say, yeah. So I say like, Go for it, do it, jump in, deep dive, uh, embrace it and appreciate it. So Nerds on earth is a great uh, uh, site for talking to like-minded uh, toy fans
0: yeah and and again, I just want to want to commend you on your channel it's uh, not only is it fun you get the you get the history of transformers, but hey it's uh, everyone's welcome, which is yeah. which is great.
1: Yeah. And I've always, like, I am just such a fan of everything that I didn't want to just focus on one thing, right? We're just yeah. doing transformers here or we're just doing GI Joe. I think it's all awesome. I think there was a, I talk about synergy between toy and cartoon and comic and whatever else there might've been socks and sheets, <laughs> but, um, in addition to there being synergy in like a brand there was synergy throughout all of those 80s toy lines whether they wanted to or probably didn't want to have yeah. synergy with each other they were competitors they're like yeah. oh, we got to we got to beat these guys yeah. um but it's all together amazing and that's why people have such great memories of toys r us and toy stores like that in the 80s yeah. because you'd walk down the aisles and whether they wanted to or not, this stuff just all flowed together so beautifully. And that's, that was the whole point of my room here to just have a, a room of so-called corporate competitors, but it actually, you know, all these years later when all that business stuff is out of the way and you can just enjoy it the way you did as a child, you can just see how it all just goes together so well The the tone, the attitude, the fun, uh, factor of it is also similar. And it just, uh, Enforces it strengthens everything else around it,
0: or you can watch it on Stranger Things. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: Trying to get through
0: season three, so
1: and I owe a lot of my eighties nostalgia to Stranger Things season one because that really it opened my eyes and it made me realize how how much I missed that whole vibe and feeling of the eighties. Yeah,
0: this just the tone. The yeah, it's it's not it's not just the trappings on on top, but it's, it's the feel of, yeah. of that show. They nail it. They nail the eighties for sure.
1: No matter what goes wrong, no matter how bad it gets, it's still fun, good natured. It's not cruel. It's not depressing. Yeah, It's just positive, optimistic. And it's nice to be able to watch a show like that and not worry about is my favorite character going to get decapitated <laughs> in like the cruelest, most, you know, awful Joss Whedon type of way just because he's like <laughs> yeah you know he wants to troll the audience um so as far as the first two seasons of stranger things go i i was really glad to see that authentic 80s tone i enjoyed the third season i just finished it um kind of a a shift i'm noticing i got a shift. four episodes
0: to go so
1: yeah. yeah a little bit of a shift but uh, still very enjoyable but uh they're growing up yeah they're starting yeah. to grow up so yeah, which, which is life. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Clay. Well, again, well, great
0: talking to you. Yeah,
1: great talking to you too. Everyone yeah. out there. Thanks for listening. Whether you're uh, watching on the YouTube channel or on nerds on earth, hope you all have a great day. And until next time, nerd mistake. Later nerds.
0: You've been listening to the nerds on earth podcast. Special thanks to Michael mercy. Look for his channel on YouTube, which includes a video presentation of this podcast And please visit nerdsonearth.com. Thanks for listening.